I am the bone of my microphone. Salt is my body, and analysis is my blood. I have created over a thousand shitposts. Unknown to death, nor known to life. Have withstood pain to create many recordings. Yet, those hands will never hold a five-star. So, as I pray... UNLIMITED BLADE JERKS! Hi! Hello! Welcome to Unlimited Blade Jerks! It's your genderless person, Scout. I'm here. And Amanda's here, too. Hello. <laughs> I'm bad at introductions. Just... Yeah, we're doing so. our best out here. Um, <laughs> My best sucks. Don't even. <laughs> no! How's your day? It's been fine. I had to take my dog to the vet. It was just oh, no! for no, it was just for routine shots. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he's I'm okay, glad but that he's feeling fine. He gets carsick, so it's a it's fun bad. time in the backseat. <laughs> I had a regular amount of work to do today, and that's very good if you know oh. anything about my job. I'm very glad. Yeah, I'm thrilled about it. Especially because you did message me at 9.30 in the morning being like, I'm done. But then I asked for more work and I was given more work. God bless. <laughs> okay, today we are recapping episodes four and five of Fate Zero, which in the Netflix are called Spearhead and A Wicked Beast Roar. The Netflix? Yeah, the Netflix, you I'm know. sorry, that just sounds like my mom. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Your mom would say that. She goes, on the AOL. I'm like, no, <laughs> mom, please. I saw it on the AOL, you know. <sighs> um, so do you have any trigger warnings for this episode? Honestly, no, except for, you know, just like fantasy violence. But later in the episode, I will be making a mention of suicide. So just putting that one there. Oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know. So starting with episode four, Spearhead. And this episode is pretty much one long scene. And the first note I took is Dear Mood has a charm spell. Uh, or Lancer has a charm spell, rather. Well, I mean, we figure out who he is pretty fast, so. Yeah. I don't recall if they explain how it works. Basically, he was given a mole by fairies, and it enchants women. That's the whole thing. Sometimes you have a sexy mole. You know? <laughs> So Saber and Lancer are fighting each other, but Lancer feels glad that Saber is ready to fight, and she agrees. It's a long fight scene, and the animation is really good in this one. I love watching this scene, because it's just so yeah. pretty. Yeah, it's very fluid and almost dance-like. Yeah. And then Tritsugu appears, and he's hiding with Maya on, like, the top of some buildings. And he says that Lancer's master has put up a barrier. And then they're going to monitor the fight and the crane that's in the shipyard because they see something by the crane. And then the theme song happens. And right after the theme song, Irie and Saber are concerned about which of Lancer's spears are his noble phantasm and his true name. Because, like, otherwise, how can they fight him? Lancer is concerned about the fact that he can't see Excalibur, which is, like, valid. 
What? It is. <laughs> no, I just love, I can't see Excalibur. <laughs> it's like, Patrick, what are you upset about? I can't see my forehead. That was the energy <laughs> that you delivered when you said that. I can't see my Excalibur. <laughs> So then Kiritsugu spots Lancer's master on a rooftop and tries to assassinate him. Then he sees actual assassin floating nearby. And actual like, assassin. Yeah, well, Kiritsugu is an assassin. Too, no, I, I just, I'm in a giggly mood tonight. <laughs> I like it. And so the next scene shows up and Kiri is talking to... I wrote a man, but we find out that it's Tosaka because I forgot what he sounded like because we haven't seen him in a while about Saber and Lancer's abilities. And he mentions that Assassin can see Iris feel and that she looks inhuman. And then Tosaka, he figures out because she's an Einsburn that Irie is a homunculus and that he thinks that she is Saber's master. Which I guess is kind of the point of what they're doing, right? Actually, yeah, exactly the point. Because if she's the face of the team, then everyone else will be like, okay, well, what happened to that dude that they hired? I guess he's not here, right? So then Kiritsugu can hide in the shadows and do his stuff. His assassin work. Yes, exactly. Osaka tells Kire to keep watch over Irisville. And then Kire says that he'll keep an assassin form watching her as well. And then in the next one, Kiritsugu and Maya notice Assassin. And then they fight over who will attack Assassin because they both <laughs> want to go after them. And Kire tells her not to go after them. And then Lancer, it's back to Saber and Lancer. They're fighting. And he just plain stops the battle and says, like, we shouldn't fight without knowing each other's names. They, like, compliment each other. They're like, you're such a good fighter. No, you're a good fighter. Kat and I have the uh, the very endearing name. They're honor bros. Yeah, they are honor bros. <laughs> They're like, ah, yes, a clean fight. That's their whole thing. And it's, it's actually, it's like weirdly pure, considering that it's like a fight to the death. It's, it's funny because like a lot of the heroic spirits kind of form alliances with each other, even though they know eventually they're going to fight each other. And, like, they get tight. And that's, like, really interesting to me. Especially considering that Kanith and Kiritsugu's masters are ill-suited to the servants that they summon. Yeah, I think so, too. So it's almost cute to see Lancer and Saber bonding on the battlefield. It's finally like, there's someone that I relate to. Yeah. I, I guess when you're a heroic spirit, it's kind of like removed from things a little bit because like you've already lived your life. So this is just like icing on the cake in a way. Is that what do you think about that? I think it depends on who you are would be like how you think about that. Okay, explain. There are a surprising number of heroic spirits that are summoned. Because obviously, I mean, they're supposed to have a wish, quote unquote. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how many are there to kind of right the mistakes that they made in life. Yeah, like Saber feels that way. Right. 
Lancer has a similar motivation. We're going to find out. I don't want to get too further into that just because spoiler territory, but it's clear in how he communicates with Kanith that, you know, something is up. It's probably nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing at all. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I think. And it's a fair thought. Yeah, sometimes I have those. And then- <laughs> So they're complimenting each other. And then Lancer's master is like, no. And he's talking pretty much like it seems he's probably doing it magically. But it just sounds like he's talking over a loudspeaker this whole time. Like a magic megaphone. (laughs) Can you just imagine him on the rooftop standing there very quietly but with his hands up to his mouth like he's yelling at a football game? If he had, like, a magical megaphone, like how Tosaka has the magical fax machine. Uh-huh. But, like, you know how sometimes a megaphone, like, screeches a little bit when oh, you no. yell into it? It's just feedback constantly. Yeah. Honestly, he deserves it. So it's fine. He does. He's, a, like, a shitty person. He's an uppity little prick is the way I would put it. That's a nice way to put it, too. So they're fighting and they're complimenting each other. And then... Lancer's master tells Lancer to fight against Saber and to use his noble phantasm. Lancer drops his short spear and the long spear he has, it's kind of like wrapped in bandages and I'm wondering why he keeps it wrapped. Uh, The cloths are kind of like talismans that they keep the spear's powers sealed in addition to they protect Lancer's true name. So uh, it's a similar purpose to Saber's invisible air. Gotcha, yeah. So speaking of the invisible air... Lancer figures out that Saber is using wind magic to hide her sword and says that he'll figure out what she's hiding. And he starts like attacking Excalibur and like breaking the magic. And I noticed at one point it like shaves off a piece of her bangs. And I was like, oh, Saber gets a free haircut. Oh, I don't remember where the bloopers were from, but there was like a running gag with the English voice actors that all the men are going for or they need a shave and a haircut. Oh my god. It's very silly. This is a very explosion-filled fight. They basically have a big explosion every time their blades match together. Saber is trying to wait for Lancer to attack weakly, but he's like really coming at her and he's piercing her armor. And then Irie, when she sees that Saber is bleeding, she uses her magic to heal Saber. And Saber figures out that his spear, of course, can work against her magic armor. So then he taunts her and she just takes off her armor and she says that she can take him down without it. Battle dress. Battle dress. Yeah, the battle dress is so cool. And Lancer calls her bold but foolish, which is pretty apt. Saber turns her sword into a large cyclone and reveals it. And then Lancer picks up the small spear and kind of takes her down. And then Ryder shows up watching with Waver on the bridge and says that Lancer is going to use his ultimate attack. He tells Waver that he hoped other heroic spirits would come to fight Lancer so he can fight them all together. And Waver is like really shocked, but Ryder is like, I'm going to fight all of them at the same time. And he's like, wow, everybody is great. You know, they're such good fighters and calls down his chariot from the sky. And Waver is just hanging on to the bridge for dear life. And then Ryder says that he's going to go fight. And Waver is like, what the hell are you doing? But then eventually he's like, don't leave without me. (laughs) You know. Little Waver problems. Yeah, I love him. 
And then we're back with Lancer and Saber. And Lancer has hurt Saber in a way that she can't move her arm. And Saber asks for healing, but Irie says that she should be fully healed. This is kind of how we figure out who Lancer is. So Lancer calls his spears A. Diarg and Gay Bull and says that his red spear destroys magic and the short yellow spear is cursed. Saber figures out it's Dirmut Wadibna. And then Lancer figures out that it's Artoria. And Lancer says, well, now that we know each other, we can fight. And then Saber puts her armor back on and says, tis but a scratch, Monty Python style. Tis but a scratch, but her tendon is sliced and she can't move her arm. She's like, whatever, I can still fight. And then Ryder comes screaming onto the battlefield from the sky and announces himself. And Waver is, like, freaking out. And it's so on brand. Just the juxtaposition of we have Saber and Lancer for, like, 20 minutes agonizing over we can't share our names. Oh, how do we have an honorable battle? And then fucking Ryder just comes out of nowhere and just screams, I am Iskandar! Like, oh, okay, great, thanks. I guess we know who you are now. Ryder is like, he's a very intelligent character and he has a lot of great scenes, but he also has a lot of really funny scenes because he's just like this huge man who loves to yell. Is Ryder a himbo? You think Ryder's a himbo? Yeah, there are two very distinct himbos in Fate, I think, and it's him and Napoleon. Oh yeah, Napoleon is a himbo. He's only in Fate Grand Order, but between the two of them, so yeah, Ryder shows up, he's screaming, and that's just kind of how the episode ends. Uh, and then in episode five, it picks up exactly where it left off, and Waver tells Ryder that he's an idiot for announcing himself. And then Ryder makes an offer and asks all the heroic spirits to join his army so he can do world conquest. And, and they then- both just look at him like, shut up. Yeah. Lancer says that he will give the grail to his master. Saber says that Ryder's plan is ridiculous, that she is a king and not a knight, so she can't be a retainer. And Ryder is surprised that she's like a girl. And Saber's just like, come at me, bro. And then the theme song starts. Kiritsugu is up in the top of the buildings again, and he trains his scope on Ryder and calls Ryder a moron. The Lancer's master calls Waver out for stealing his relic to summon Ryder. And that's how we figure out that Lancer's master is Elmoloy, who is Waver's teacher from the first episode when Waver's at college. He's like, I'm going to kill you and you should feel honored to be killed by me, which was like, yikes. It's sad because we've seen Waver be like freaked out, but he is sniveling afraid. Yeah, he's horrified. And then thankfully, Skandar to the rescue. Yeah, he's like, only a person brave enough to ride in my chariot can be my master. And he calls Elmoloy a coward because he's hiding because he's still doing that like megaphone thing. Ryder tells Saber and Lancer that they had a great battle and that there are others hiding. And then Gilgamesh shows up in his glitter again, and he calls the other kings lesser beings. Ryder says that he is a legendary man and king of the world. And then Gilgamesh is like, well, I'm the king of the world! (laughs) Ryder says that he should name himself, because, like, Ryder's not afraid to do it. And then Gilgamesh says that Ryder is a mongrel, and if you can't figure out who he is, then that will be your downfall. 
Then he calls forth his power where he has like many weapons coming out of the sky. And then on top of everything, Berserker shows up. He grows from the shadows like a heartless in Kingdom Hearts. I will not be able to unsee that now. It's true. I mean, like, I was expecting him to make that, like, bubbly sound that the heartless make when they show up. You know the one. So he's just, like, roaring. And Ryder asks Waver how powerful Berserker is. And Waver says that he can't figure out anything about Berserker. Saber says that Berserker has a curse concealing him. Uh, That's probably nothing, right? LOL. Kitsugu says that normal masters will not send their heroic spirits to fight in this position. And then Gilgamesh Archer points his weapons at Berserker and just starts firing at him and firing at him. But Berserker is still like fully formed and totally fine. That's a really cool moment because it's a real show of despite being inflicted more or less with mad enhancement, Berserker is still that skilled to be able to grab a projectile from the air and use it to bat away the other projectiles coming in within milliseconds. Yeah, it's like wicked. A wicked beast's roar. Yeah! So Gilgamesh gets even more weapons ready and shoots like so many at Berserker, but Berserker just reflects them all. Gilgamesh jumps off of a lamppost to fight him on the ground and he's super mad about it. Tosaka says that Gilgamesh will open the gate of Babylon and expose himself. So he uses a command seal and tells Gilgamesh to leave. Gilgamesh is super offended, but he disappears and says to kill each other in the fight because only a true hero can look at him. And then Ryder says that Gilgamesh's master is a coward. And then Berserker sees Saber and comes at her while yelling. Again, probably nothing. He has a steaming cracked black spear. It's one of the ones that came out of the Gate of Battle. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We learn momentarily about one of Berserker's noble yeah. phantasms. So Ryder says that whatever Berserker grabs onto with his hands becomes his noble phantasm. Maya and Kiritsugu can't find Berserker's master. And at this point in the episode, I couldn't remember who Berserker's master is because we haven't seen him in so long, but I just remembered now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Karia. Karia. So Saber calls Berserker a monster and they keep fighting. And then Lancer knocks Berserker's weapon away and says that he and Saber will fight or Berserker will have to face Lancer. You're disturbing our engagement. <laughs> and then Al Malloy, he yells at Lancer, but Lancer begs to fight Saber first. Every time he says, my lord, my heart yeah. just breaks. So then Al Malloy uses a command spiel and orders Deermoot to help Berserker kill Saber. Also it's so sad because he looks like he's like in pain. And he apologizes to Saber, and Saber tells Iris Field to get the hell out of there. And Iris says it's okay and to believe in her master. And Saber is shocked that Kiritsugu is here. So then Kiritsugu and Maya get ready to kill Amaloy. But then Ryder comes charging at Lancer and Berserker and sends Berserker to the ground. And Ryder says that Berserker is very tough, and Berserker disappears. Ryder tells Elmoloy to have Lancer withdraw or he will fight Lancer alongside Saber. And Lancer will yeah, be Yeah, for fucked. real. And then Elmoloy agrees. And Ryder is shocked. He agrees, but absolutely not happily. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess he's mad because he's like used a command seal. For so literally like, nothing. Yeah. 
And so thanks him, and Ryder's like, it's all good. And then Saber asks Ryder why he came to the fight, and Ryder says, no thoughts, head empty. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> like, I just wanted to. It looked like fun. Ryder says that he'll fight whoever wins and asks Waver what he has to say, and Waver is stuck. <laughs> is that when he's like, don't you have anything nice to say to the lady? Yeah, and Waver also says no thoughts head empty. Well, no, he doesn't say anything because he's like passed out. Yeah, he's had enough. <laughs> Let Waver rest. He's very tired. So Saber tells Iris Vila after uh, they leave that her arm is cursed. And Iris Veal says, thank you for keeping me alive. And Saber says that Iris Veal is the reason that she kept fighting. I love to see it. it. Arya is sitting in the basement laughing about what's going on. He says, fuck all Tokiomis. And then barfs up some slugs. (laughs) And says that he's getting weaker, but tells Sakura to hold on. And Assassin, who was here the whole time, says to Kire that they found Maya's familiar outside the church. And Rinosuke and Castor are somewhere. Where are they in this scene? They have their hideout in, it's basically a sewer, which it's admittedly clean looking for that. But yeah, I saw them at, like, and I thought they were just in a hallway. They're in the sewers because I mean, they're, they're basically sewer rats anyway. So Yikes. am I wrong? I was going to say that Castor is Jean Valjean and Rinosuke is Marius, but actually they're not because Castor is a bad man. I would say that'd be giving Castor way too much credit. Yeah. So Rinosuke says that what Castor did was awesome. The implication is that they've been indulging in their hobbies. I hate that. And while Rinosuke is having his cool, 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 Caster gets suddenly very distracted by his ooh crystal ball. Ooh. Yeah, he has like a large crystal ball. And he says that his wishes have come true, that he's found the person he is looking for, the one perfect woman in the world, and says that it is a miracle and that all his hopes and dreams are here and that he will come after her. And it shows in the crystal ball that he's looking at Saber, and it's probably nothing. Spoiler alert, Saber's not the person he's looking for. Saber's not the person he's looking for, but she is the one perfect woman in the world. Well, no. Iris feels the one perfect woman in the world. Oh, true! We have biases here at at UBJ. Poor Iris feel here. We have no other biases, but Iris feel is the one perfect woman in the world. That's pretty much how the episode ends. It just kind of ends there. So we got some questions this week. Admittedly, these episodes were pretty straightforward. So I know that you had one question about Irie. Uh, and yeah, then what kind of magic can Irie do? I am assuming that you mean as far as like direct combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iris Feel mainly uses alchemy, which is the Einsburn family specialty. And we do get to see Irisville use alchemy offensively in an upcoming episode, but it is absolutely not meant for that and has very limited creative applications. So save for on-the-fly healing magecraft, she's kind of useless in combat scenarios. That sucks. But healing is an important job on the battlefield. Oh, absolutely. Did I have any more questions that I forgot about? Oh, you had one that was more of a, like, world-building question. What are the qualifications for someone to become a heroic spirit? Yeah! 
I can remember the things that I asked you. Believe it or not, after 15 fucking years, we still don't have a solid answer for that. Nasu has stated that a heroic spirit must have exceeded others in both ability and deed during their own time, but it's hard to call that criteria because it is very subjective. Yeah, that's super subjective. What I do want to clarify, it's two things about the Grail summoning system that get glossed over a lot in Fate titles. In Fate Zero, at least in the dub, it's probably similar in the sub, they use heroic spirit and servant fairly interchangeably, but they're two different concepts. Interesting. The phrase heroic spirit refers to all of the data about a given hero stored within the throne of heroes. A heroic spirit in full form can only be summoned by the world for the protection of humanity. I previously mentioned that a servant is a facsimile, I think I said that last episode, of the data kept within the Game of the Game of Thrones. <laughs> a facsimile of the data kept within the throne of heroes. But truthfully, even the Grail can't summon a true heroic spirit. Instead, the Grail uses the seven classes as a basis, a, quote, body, if you will, and then copies relevant parts of a heroic spirit's data as a, quote, soul to place within that body. So it's kind of like a Riku replica. Kind of, yeah. And that's how we end up with surprisingly distinct versions of a given heroic spirit, say, Archer Gilgamesh and Caster Gilgamesh, which I'll cover more when we talk more in depth about him. The second clarification is that not all Grail War servants are heroic spirits. This is harder to explain without getting into spoiler territory, but suffice to say, Fate Zero Caster is a corruption that the Throne of Heroes would not usually take. And we also discussed last episode that even Artoria is not a heroic spirit because she's technically still alive. So while the terms heroic spirit and servant do have crossover, it's just good to understand the differentiation because it better explains why the Grail War works the way it does. Oh yeah, learning. So we got listener questions this time. We did. Yeah, I'm going to read them and then I'm going to give my answer to the first one. <laughs> and then Amanda's going to give her actual answer. A friend of the show, Cecil Tufster McG on Twitter, asks us, How do servants know the folklore of other servants from different time periods and different cultures slash regions well enough to recognize them by their noble phantasms? Please say it's because they all hang out in heroic spirit heaven together between wars. I will confirm that. I'm confirming it. It's just like Smash where they all hang out at Smash Mansion. Is it true? It's not terribly far from the truth, I don't think. Oh, yay! I couldn't find a proper source about it, but it seems like the general agreement is that heroic spirits have access to the data kept within the Throne of Heroes. So instead of it being, uh, you know, a heroic spirit mixer, it's more like reading profiles on Heroic Spirit OkCupid. Okay yeah, they're all checking out Tinder and swiping, swiping, swiping. <laughs> so it's not a party. But they all get to learn about each other. Ooh, Victoria. Ooh, Amamo. Ooh, Da Vinci. With Saber's situation, she very clearly recognized Deermoot, even though she wouldn't have inherent knowledge of him. 
Dia did live about a century before she did in the same part of the world. So it's very likely she heard of him during her own life. Yeah, that's true. That said, she wouldn't recognize anyone who came after her in history. Our second question came from this really long Twitter thread by Roy, friend of the show, artist of the show, Semper Fani on Twitter, where Roy was just trying to parse Nasuverse. And then our friend Colin stepped in and said that the moon is like a living being. No, 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 we're not going there yet. If ever. That's how I got to this question. How genuinely connected is the Nasuverse? Like, do I have to know that the moon is a corporeal spirit to enjoy fate? You don't have to get the world building to that extreme to enjoy fate. Not at all. But, okay, how genuinely connected is the Nasuverse? This is a loaded question if there ever was one. I've mentioned that there are five known true magics. Yes. The second of these, commonly called kaleidoscope, governs the operation of parallel world. This makes the easy answer, yes. Everything in Nasuverse is connected, even if it's through a vague parallel world explanation. If you want to get really technical, nearly every individual type moon title, even ones as connected as Fate Zero and Stay Night, which Nasu specifically mentioned in an interview, is a different parallel world because of minor inconsistencies. Hello? But in my opinion, between Type Moon being over 20 years old, having a number of guest writers, and Nasu being a world-class bullshitter, inconsistencies were bound to happen. Yeah, you're making a story, that's just how it goes. Well, especially you're making this long-running franchise where everything is interconnected, and you're gonna end up contradicting yourself at some point. So, the way I think about fate structure is like a tree. One common origin, the trunk, splitting off into limbs, which split into branches, then to twigs, etc., etc. The smaller you get, the more minor and boring the differences are to the point where they don't remotely affect the outcome most of the time. On the other hand, there are a lot of major event changes that do result in vastly different worlds and stories, like Grand Order and Extra. So I was going to ask about that. Is is the magic kaleidoscope the reason why Extra exists? Quick trigger warning, that was mentioned earlier. If you want to skip this part, I'll leave a timestamp. Extra, which takes place in 2030, has a totally different setting because in the 1970s, an unspecified incident caused the world to stop producing mana. Before that, it did have the same history as, you know, Fate's Day Night, if we want to call Fate's Day Night like the main timeline. Yeah. So that's why we're now in a computer on the moon. Don't ask me. The world building of Extra is very wacky, and uh, hopefully we'll get to last Encore one day. I mean, I'll watch it eventually. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving it because I'm going to watch it for the show, so. And then the other, like, really major one that I immediately thought of was Grand Order. Because, again, completely different setting, completely different mechanic. Grand Order results from the game's first antagonist, who was previously written to have committed suicide in 2015 in a short story by Nasu, if he doesn't commit suicide. Oh. Even Fate's Day Night, just in and of itself. 
those three roots are still very distinct stories. Yeah, definitely. Despite their shared setting. It's really easy to pinpoint which of Shiro's decisions during the first three days, quote, of the visual novel put him on each path. So the way I think about it is... I was going to ask you, which route in Fate's Day Night is the correct route? And I guess the answer is all of them. Yeah. So bottom line, yes, everything is connected if you backtrack far enough. But there comes a point where the inconsistencies are so minor that it really doesn't affect the outcome. Like, I'm sorry, I just consider Fate Zero a direct prequel. Oh, me too. Yeah, I thought it was. So, yeah, that's my two cents on Nasu's bullshit. (laughs) I mean, I've heard that George R.R. Martin uses the Song of Ice and Fire wiki when he writes, so... That's actually really funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? The fans know his shit better than he does. Same with Tight Moon, so... Yeah, (laughs) but every time I read the Tight Moon wiki, my brain falls out of my ear. So, (laughs) we have fake news this week? Uh, nope. This is what I meant when I said we're gonna have a short episode because these are A, straightforward episodes. B, we don't have a Who's That Heroic Spirit. We'll be back with that next time. That's gonna do it for us today. Hope it was a good one, even though it was a little bit shorter. I'm Scout. You can find me on Twitter at at Cybernetics. Cybernetics? Yeah. C-Y-B-E-R-N-E-T-I-Q-U-E-S. I also want to give a special shout out to Beyonce of the Amanda of the show, Alex, because <laughs> I sound a lot better this week because Alex bought me a microphone. So thank you, Alex. Insert round of applause. Yay. Yay! We love Alex. I'm Amanda. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Onion, O-H-N-I-O-H-N. And our show Twitter is at UBJCast. And we also have an email, unlimitedbladejerks at gmail.com. Send us questions! Yeah, send us questions and anything else that you think would be fun to give us. Rate and review the podcast, right? That's what people say on podcasts, rate and review the podcast? I guess. I don't listen to podcasts on an app. (laughs) Yeah, Amanda listens to podcasts online. I'm a pleb. <laughs> Let me live. So that's where you can find us. Remember, Amanda, you want to say it this time? People die when they are killed. Ah!